Ring, ring. Hello. Hello. It's me, Maddie. Maddie, Calling Maddie you, is Ryan. it you? Are, you? are you hiding in the attic at your parents' house? I am. I'm supposed to be doing my homework, but instead I'm calling my best friend, Ryan, to talk about the X-Men. Oh, Do you well, like this that's premise good. as an opening for our show? Back when we were young, we experienced a change. We felt a power grow in us, both wonderful and strange. The power to care about the X-Men and the mutant brotherhood. All of their adventures, more than anyone should. I'm Ryan. Welcome to our show called The Mutant Ages. And what do we do on this show, Maddie? We watch every adaptation of the X-Men that isn't the comics. And right now we've been watching X-Men, the animated series, the Phoenix Saga episodes. And now we're all the way up to the one that's called Cry of the Banshee. Who do you think it's going to be about? Juggernaut. Ironically, it's like barely about Banshee. I mean, he's in there. Actually, I mean... He's in there, but I think it's about his family, mm-hmm. and that is a lot of why. Cassidy I don't know. Have Keep. You, have you people heard of the Phoenix Saga? I think they have. I think this is I hope so. one of the things that people will have heard of. But should we do a previously on the X Men for them, just in case? I think we could do that. So previously on the X Men, the X Men went to space. <laughs> yeah! Charles Xavier is a dick. Charles Xavier also Jean Grey is the Phoenix. <laughs> had a confusing vision of space and didn't tell anybody what the vision was, but it was Princess Lalandra, who's from another galaxy, and AKA Princess Leia. Yeah, she's basically Princess Leia, except also She-Ra, the Princess of Power. Um, and so that happened, and then Xavier sent all the X-Men to space without explaining anything, and they met up with Eric the Red, who is this fantastical villain. I don't know. He's... he's he, You know, he works at the gay club down the street. He's the butt that's, boy that's of the emperor of the Shi'ar, and that emperor is also Lilandra's brother. Family drama. And anyway, oh, there's a magical God. crystal that is a metaphor There's about to be so much bomb. more family drama, though, so don't worry. And Lilandra stole the crystal and took it to Earth or whatever, or at least took it through a wormhole to our galaxy and was trying to escape with it, but everybody's we chasing her. We actually don't know what's going on with the Encron crystal. Don't we just know that she was stole it. That's all we know. We don't yet, but we know that Eric the Red and the Emperor are after her because she stole this crystal and she's involved Charles Xavier in all of this drama, even though they're complete strangers to each other. But now they're totally obsessed with each other and the X-Men have to fix all these problems as well, suddenly. Because Xavier is making them all save his new space girlfriend. But before like that happened, before he reached his space girlfriend, in the mm-hmm. process he lost control of his con- his subconscious that wanted to murder and torture all the X-Men. Something he, he thinks about for yeah, fun. Yeah, which, like, isn't even related, really, to anything. Like, over the course um, of him having these psychic 
emails with Lalandra. He just suddenly psychic lost control emails. of his mind, like just as a separate thing. He was like, "Hold on, Whoopsie. I'm getting a psychic IM right now." <laughs> yeah, they were they were DMing each other, just like <laughs> sexting about stuff from space. And then Xavier, over the course of that, just also lost his mind, and suddenly his dark side took over. <laughs> Which again, like, why? I don't know why. I that think happened. he just used it as an excuse to let his dark side come out, take over, and by his dark side, we just mean. Charles Xavier being himself. Yeah, like suddenly he was just torturing the X-Men and just like totally losing his mind and being like, you guys really shouldn't trust me right now because sometimes I just really want to kill all of you. And so that's what yeah, happened exactly. in part two. And we're going we're gonna to hear about that a lot in this we because are. Moira keeps bringing it up. By well, the way, because Xavier went to Muir Island because he exactly. wanted to go find Moira McTaggart because he was worried about his brain and going losing his grip on reality basically and just being like moira help me so that's yeah and he's, he's being doing. pissy because they used to be ex-lovers and banshee is here mm-hmm. and banshee's engaged to moira which isn't quite what happens in the comic books and also in the comics you know banshee had already worked for xavier at this point yeah so it's a, so it's a little weird it's a sort of ham-fisted way to just introduce banshee sort of late in the game but whatever yeah it's fine. i know but like in the comics this whole this whole portion with juggernaut and black tom cassidy and sean cassidy does happen so like the story is about the same it's just that how we got there is a little bit different so uh also we mentioned this we like glossed over really fast but while the x-men were in space gene gray got possessed by the phoenix force which is a mysterious well at the beginning of this i screamed gene gray's the phoenix you did so. you did so we actually totally covered it and it's completely clear what happened i would hope that they know that we're talking about the phoenix since it's the phoenix saga part so we've done at least two of these so far Mm -hmm. well more about the phoenix is gonna actually be explained in this episode but not until the end okay i mean sort of i mean more than we've gotten so far that's true that's true all right so let's go over to weir island where we get to watch moira and banshee make out on the cliffside again again and we get to hear their little conversation yet again where banshee is like does he not still love you moira and she's like i think i'm the only friend that professor x even has because everybody fucking true. hates him and banshee's like that just makes me want to have sex with you right here and now like it's not a romantic conversation and suddenly it's really not just boning down on this cliffside by the way they didn't hear juggernaut bust in that's they the conclusion didn't. of all this they but Somehow. they did hear like all these flashing lights and xavier screaming this time like before they were just making out while all that was happening but in this version of the scene they do hear it right away and they turn around and they see like xavier's room like it looks like the lights are flickering on and off and he's just screaming wildly it'd be funny if he was just xavier wanted attention he I was mean, like that is over what to the light think. switch and it was like Bleh! that is basically like, oh, what they think him. it is when they get there though like that's I know. not far off from what Moira thinks it is, which is well, funny. Well, Moira wants to go and help him, and mm-hmm. she's like, I'm going to go. And Banshee's like, let me come with you. And Moira's like, his no, no, his dark side may have taken over again. And I'm like, again? Has this happened before? I think what she actually meant by that was that when Xavier arrived, he said, like, yesterday, my dark side was taking over and I was torturing the X-Men. But now I'm mm, fine, maybe. Maybe, maybe so, it's just Moira being like, Charles Xavier's a piece of shit. I mean, and it's so, like, sometimes he's just a huge asshole. Tragic. And we did a lot of work. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be funny if, like, the whole backstory of Professor Xavier was 
Moira McTiger had to teach Professor Xavier to be a good person. I mean, we don't know, but I, it could very well be that. I because mean, we don't know well the circumstances of Xavier being like, I'm just going to like cordon off part of my mind forever because I've realized that parts of me want to torture everyone I know. Like that's... Xavier just is like, if I can brainwash myself, we're good. Mm-hmm. And he does. Anyway, Banshee says he can't let Moira face trouble alone. So then we get... Because he loves her so much. A cut to... So much, guys. What is happening inside Xavier's little bedroom? And it's Juggernaut. <laughs> He's just like beating the shit out he of him. He is. He just like throws Xavier's chair against the wall. But like somehow Xavier's still alive for this. Like, I don't know. I feel like Juggernaut could just straight up kill him. But it's Juggernaut. So he's more just like playing with him. I th- yeah. I, th- I mean, that's kind of the joke, too, because he makes a joke about it. He's like, oh, this is more fun than bumper cars so i think like i think it is to him this is a game yeah like he wants to kind of torture xavier and like not kill him yet and meanwhile lalandra okay so this is the part of the episode where i immediately recognized everything i was seeing because this became the it's the juggernaut bitch i'm the juggernaut bitch viral video in like 2005 so like this is the scene that that is from i was like oh yeah and even last time i was like this looks familiar i think maybe this is from that episode but then in this one i was like oh yeah this is the footage they used for that yeah totally Totally, totally. So this is like Lilandra's hitting him on the back and then he picks up a bed, gonna throw an entire bed at her and is like, you gonna give me a spanking? Oh my God. Um, We're not gonna exaggerate anything that Sean Casty, Wolverine, Black Tom Costi, or Juggernaut's gonna say because it's all pretty gay. It is all pretty all gay. Of it. It's all pretty Oh, sexual. and also Eric the Red. Eric, oh my God, there's... This is one of those episodes where everyone's pretty gay. <laughs> it really is. So anyway, Juggernaut is going to throw a bed and she's got this little Star Trek blaster and she's like shooting beams at him. And she's like, it, it kind of looks like a TV remote. Yeah. And she's like, I warned you. And he's like, you warned me, which is like kind of a funny exchange. And so Xavier is like trying to shout instructions at Lalandra from across the room. Right. He's like, his body is invulnerable, but not his mind. Try to take off his helmet. And as Juggernaut turns to throw an entire bed at Xavier, he manages to like hit a billion buttons to release himself from the chair, like in that moment, like as the bed is flying towards him, which I found really yeah, funny. Yeah, I guess his chair turns into like... It just releases him, I guess. So he like falls onto the ground, but It like... reminds me of like a high chair. Yeah, well, like it's a floating. Kid that, can, that can get out of it by sliding underneath it. I was kind of surprised by that. I was like, he can't just manually unlock the chair chair but apparently has like enter complicated code uh, no his chair is also a sled maddie it's our slide it's, i'm it's sorry way more complicated than i thought it was anyway it's, it's just got too many things going on he manages it. to somehow get out as a bed is flying towards him so i don't know how that works but whatever um so lander manages to shoot off the helmet but that doesn't like really do the trick yet juggernaut is just not have his helmet on but he's still like powerful and picking her up can we talk about how xavier pulls the same fucking bullshit that he always does oh my where he's god like, in this next section you mean uh, so yeah so okay the way that anyone defeats the juggernaut is if they knock off his helmet and they can get inside his mind mm-hmm. and like xavier could just control his mind or make him forget what's happening yeah. but no charles xavier chooses to make kane marco re-experience all his trauma and PTSD, just like he did with Maggie. I know, like, this it reminded me of people. that. It is so fucked up. And it's I was like, super why is this up? A- like, I, he could just, just make Juggernaut leave the room and walk away and into another island. Like, he yes. could just have him leave. But instead, he's like, you know what? 
now that I've got control of your brain, I'm going to make you remember your dad beating the shit out of yeah, you as a he child. Yeah, he goes, feel like, the ruin the and the pain that you have caused. And he's, like, giving him, like, a flashback to, like, himself dropping something in a lab and, like, his father's face and stuff. And it's, like, we don't really fully understand these images, but we understand that they're traumatic because Juggernaut is, like, clutching his I face just, and screaming Why and, is like, this crying. how he fights people? So, why is he such an immoral person is my question. I don't know. I mean, I feel why like... Do the That's... X-Men listen to him is my question. They have much more competent leaders on their team. Storm and even Cyclops could do a better job than he can. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what we're supposed to think of Xavier anymore, especially after the episode we saw last time. Like, this is just a continuation of Xavier, like, being They definitely, the on worst. this show, he's definitely a dick. I don't remember if he's quite as much of an asshole on X-Men Evolution. Probably. I mean, I just remember being such a piece of shit on the show and in the comics. And so, well, we'll, we'll find out when we get there. We'll get two more seasons of Xavier being a piece of shit, at least. So, so anyway, a random dude who is Black Tom Cassie, but we don't know that yet, appears in the window and just uses a wooden stick wand thing to fire a beam at Xavier from behind suddenly. And he goes, shouldn't you have watched your back, Charles Xavier? And then just like fires a beam at Lalandra to like make sure she stays down. Yep. And the Juggernaut's like, oh, good. My boyfriend's here. Yeah. And Tom comes in and he's like, now get the woman and we can name our price. And Juggernaut is like not willing to let it go because he's like, maybe you came here for the money, but I came here for one reason. My do-gooder half-brother. There's something I wanted to say to you for a long time. Time. and then he just picks up xavier and says <laughs> so long and just throws him out the window i was like is that really what you wanted to say for so, so long is i know so long? I, I also if he really wanted to kill xavier all this time i mean he i know just that kill they can't he could snap his neck but instead he exactly. throws him out the window into the water and doesn't well it makes all this very die. interesting because i know that they can't do it on the kids show right. they can't have him kill xavier but since it's now posed him in this situation, it almost makes you think Juggernaut doesn't actually want to kill Xavier. That was kind of how I read it. He's willing to beat the shit out of him. Because and he like, like has a lot of opportunities to kill Xavier. Like, Xavier's basically helpless when he's got the helmet on. Like, he could just walk up and kill him anytime. I also think it's important to note that Juggernaut, I mean, he's huge and he's massive. He can destroy anything. But it's very infrequent that he goes on a mass murdering spree. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just not... His goal. He just kind of clobbers people. He likes to be a bully. Both him and Black Tom were more interested in just robbing banks and just making money. That's that's their thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what they do with said money because I you never either, see them anywhere. I guess. Well, we do get to see them like counting it later, which is pretty funny. So maybe they, they just, just have like extensive have repeated honeymoons together. That's that's all that's They're happening. They're going to go on a great vacation together. If only they could get out of this mess. But anyway, as Xavier oh, also, is plummeting into wait, wait, the ocean. Wait, wait, wait. I want to note here that Lalandra has been referred to as an object in which they can sell and like... Mm -hmm. It's just one of those episodes that the women don't do too good until Jean Grey turns into the Phoenix. Yeah. Like, Bro can Jubilee do a couple things, but a lot of this story... I wasn't wild about the treatment of Lalandra. Yeah, because she's a We can a get warrior. to it later, but she's really, like, positioned as a damsel for the entire episode, which kind of surprised me. Me too, considering how much badassery we got about her story in the last episode. So, 
I don't think this is X-Men the Animated Series fault. I think this is them pulling from... I mean, I think they just couldn't think of something else to do. Like, it just... Well, also, I was going to say, it's very reflective as of the time that the original story was written. Yeah. And how women did in those stories, so... I mean, it is cool that you have these, like, female powerhouses on the X-Men who get to do a lot in this episode. I mean, Storm doesn't really... But this is the episode where Rogue finally comes back, which is cool. So we'll get to that in a second. Right. Anyway, meanwhile, Xavier's falling into the ocean, and Banshee sees this and just flies over and uses his sonic scream thing to like fly and save him so and so this I, is the reveal i guess for the viewer if you didn't know banshee had powers i think this is his right. first time using it's not him. really well explained what his powers nope, are here not at he all. has a supersonic scream and it's it, you know screaming. i never understood why it makes him fly either but it always looks so stupid because he's really like does. i'll save you it's like okay <laughs> it's amazing because he just leaps off the cliff screaming and just grabs xavier and like again the show doesn't explain it so it's really funny um so then we see xavier no but this next up. scene is like amazing it's batshit crazy do you want do you want the ryan's cliff notes sure. all right so basically he basically xavier just like wakes up and moira and banshee are in there because you know they brought him back to into the room mm-hmm. there's a huge hole in the room by the way that juggernaut had come through <laughs> xavier wakes up and he's like Where's Lalandra? Where did she go? Amora's like, okay, he's even crazier than usual. <laughs> there is no one here. You came here to let me help you stop being a supervillain. And Xavier's like, no, Lalandra is real. I know because I love her. I met her five seconds ago, but I love her. Do you think that they think that Xavier just created the hole in the wall with his telekinetic powers and like he's a supervillain? But that's not his powers. Moira well, knows that's powers- not his power. Yeah, you're right. Why do they think there's think, a hole in the wall? He was just ramming well, I mean, his chair into the hole like a million times. I, I think it's. I think they don't know what's happening, and I think Morris willing to chalk it up to Xavier just being a fucking crazy piece of shit. And like, no, crazy is not the right word. It's him vexing for attention. I think that's what she sees this as. It's so. yeah. I mean, that was kind of funny to me. I knew that they were wrong, but it was still funny for Moira to be I know. Like, I mean, the big savior. hole in the wall that's like, it's like a juggernaut shape to it, which is really funny. It is funny. And it doesn't take it till later for Wolverine to figure out, but we'll get there. Yep. Okay. So back Jean's to Jean Grey moaning in the hospital. In the hospital. Okay. So More like, of the, uh-huh. There are so many scenes on this show where one X-Men is having a nightmare while another X-Men just sits there and watches them. Like, that is the structure of so many scenes on this show. You know what's really it's funny, hilarious. Maddie? Not to break away to another thing, but Maddie and I recorded uh, a Geno's story, Throwback Theater, that's a podcast they can get called Legend of the Dark Crystal. And there's a scene in there <laughs> where somebody's just standing over somebody while they're having a nightmare. Yep. And then she, they wake up and just like, I get out fun of bed. It, but like, I'm sure that this show was an influence on you. I, you know, it just is crazy to me how much both Star Wars and X-Men influenced everything I wrote. And Tiny Toots, like, you, if you watch all three of those things, it's like Ryan Pagella in a nutshell. <laughs> well, anyway, Scott is doing the classic X-Men move of watching somebody else sleep and, like, moan in their sleep. And so as she's having this nightmare, the Phoenix, this Phoenix-shaped fiery emblem yeah. is appears behind her the phoenix is here and now she says phoenix now we are one and is like floating in I the know. air and Cyclops scott's like wait what like, the fuck is happening what's happening to eugene and then he goes what's going to happen to us and i was like really you're like worried about your relationship like gene could die and you're like but what's gonna happen are we still gonna get married i just want to know if i can also still fuck wolverine after you die or is that like in bad taste it's just endearing i'll have to fuck him for you because i know you two 
two are fucking. Everybody's fucking, and Cyclops is worried about whether or not it's going to continue. Yeah. Meanwhile, Storm and Gambit and Jubilee and Rogue finally walk in the door. There's a lot of exposition here. And they ask how Jean is doing, and Cyclops says she can't speak, but the Phoenix can. And then Rogue has this little exchange where she's like, it should have been me trying to fly that shuttle with my powers. I might have been able to. And Gambit is like, Cher, you can't blame yourself. You were out on a mission. We still don't know what the mission was. And we never We don't, but also out. I'm interested to know what Rogue's powers could have done. Maybe I thought well, about it. She could have like maybe... used her powers to get Corbeau's knowledge of how to fly the plane. She could have done that, but she couldn't have protected herself from radiation. No, but maybe... Maybe she can. I thought about this well, way too I did much. Too. I did too. That line really distracted me because I was like, well, could Rogue have used her own powers to get Jean's powers to protect herself from radiation? I don't think that's what it was. I think maybe it could have been a reference to Miss Marvel oh, because Miss Marvel's powers are cosmic. And so... Oh, so maybe Rogue could have used some power she already has to potentially protect herself from like whatever maybe, radiation but that's concerns not, there does were. She have, does she, is she not affected by radiation because carol danvers would not be does that make any it does. sense i mean that's possible i i feel like she at least could use her powers to get the ability to fly the plane but that was less of a concern because like cyclops also could have flown it and i mean also she could have like gotten into an astronaut sh- suit and just caught the plane with her super strength so maybe that's why she wasn't up there yeah that's true she could have just re- gotten out of the plane and redirected its trajectory so like yeah, there's much. that too. I mean, there's a lot of different. Rogue probably could have fixed everything in a variety of ways, and so that's why she couldn't be. Or there. Storm. That's why they weren't I know. there. Storm could have just like used the wind or something. Although, is there wind in space? No, there's no wind in space. That's like a known fact. So she can't even summon it. <laughs> no, right? I mean, I don't think so. She could probably manipulate what's being created. I don't by think Storm would have been spaceship. able to fix it. Rogue maybe, but Storm is there in the original comics, and she can't fix it. So yeah. Anyway, That's true. meanwhile, Wolverine walks in and he's like, the professor just called from Muir Island and says an alien transported down to him but was kidnapped by Juggernaut. And Gambit just goes, oh, he's worse off than we thought, which I thought was really I know. funny. I love that. That was just so good. Yeah. Um, and Cyclops refuses to leave Gene. He's just like, but what about Gene? <laughs> and Wolverine's like, you think I don't care about Gene? Xavier's going crazy out there and there's aliens everywhere and the world's turned upside down. We should check it out. Yeah. And Storm's all like, whoa, calm down. Yeah, Storm is like, I also talked to Moira and Moira believes the professor is suffering from violent delusions created by his dark side. And I like how they're just willing to accept this. Well, Storm is, is basically, I mean, Logan still wants to check it out, but then Storm is like, Professor Xavier told us it would be dangerous to follow his orders so like storm is taking what i think is kind of a logical view which is just like let's ignore xavier because he's been trying to kill oh, us i agree i like just think it's hours. so it's crazy to me that they're all casually being like oh well you know his dark side just keeps taking oh, over that i'm like part. why yeah, do like, you believe so his bullshit yeah i don't know but it's also like they have just discovered aliens exist so it's been a pretty wild 24 hours and also like gene is hospitalized and we, they don't fully understand what's going on with her so i guess that's a good point that wolverine just pointed out he said 
everything's upside down. What the fuck's happening? Mm -hmm. So you know what? You're right. So Wolverine wants to look into it. Storm is skeptical and Cyclops goes, Wolverine is right. The professor's story has to be checked out. That was like a full 360, by the way. I know. Like two seconds ago, he was all, oh, but we can't leave Jean here. And he's like, we have to go to on this fair, mission. To be fair, Cyclops doesn't leave Jean. In the end, he no, makes he Wolverine go and check it out. So he is still like agreeing that it has to be checked out, but he's not willing to do it himself. Anyway, Gambit says, I don't believe my ears about Cyclops saying Wolverine is right, which is funny. Yeah, and the Jubilee says, I don't have any lines. <laughs> Not, not in this scene. Um, <laughs> Cyclops points out they've seen some crazy shit, so the alien stuff could be legitimate. And then he says something about how Beast and Corbeau are looking into the alien ship that came through the vortex. Oh, I think I said Beast and Corbeau are dating. They but, are you know. dating. And meanwhile, in between makeouts, they're looking at right. the alien ship. Right, they do both. They're good at multitasking. Speaking of gay, let's go over to Cassidy Keep. Yeah, but first, Storm and Cyclops are going to wait with Jean, and the rest of the X-Men have to deal with all that bullshit. Right. Okay. Cassidy Keep. Black Tom Cassidy's just chilling at a castle, waiting <laughs> for somebody to show up. And he's just like complaining to no one, being like, where is this guy? I was told a guy would be here to meet me. And then suddenly a huge He's station. supposed to have a bunch of money and then he was going to pay us well. You think he would exposition. be here on time. I know. And then a big red spaceship shows up and it's Eric the Red. And he's like, I come for the Princess Lalandra and I'm still wearing a, a sexy red harness. I know. Black <laughs> Tom's just checking him out a little bit. Black Tom Cassidy is like, I'll give you the goods after I get paid and somehow doesn't predict the extremely predictable thing that happens next, which is Eric just trying to shoot him instead of paying him and being like, here's your payment. And he shoots him. And, and then Juggernaut shows up also. Well, first Black Tom falls on down his knees and like bends over like he's about to take it up the ass. I did I did write that down. Yeah, but then Juggernaut shows up to save his boyfriend and grabs There's Eric. a really goofy animation know, of Juggernaut's arm too. It's like a slow motion like of Juggernaut's arm reading. It's funny. And then Juggernaut picks him up and he's like, pay the man or do I have to squeeze the money out through your ears? And then there's like these other two brainwashed dudes who work for Eric the Red who are shooting at Juggernaut, but it doesn't matter. I actually kind of love this. A yeah, it's bit. a fun fight scene. I was kind of surprised this scene was in here because it ends with the most logical conclusion, which is Juggernaut and Black Tom win. And Black Tom ultimately is like, okay, Eric, you have to pay us now. And then that's how the scene ends. So it's like, well, well why was that fight scene there? They ended up making Eric pay them anyway. I don't know. And then there's after there's like this whole thing where Juggernaut wants to beat the shit out of them. And Black Tom's like, Juggernaut, stop. Business before pleasure. Wink, wink. Yeah. You know, but he just means like, let's get paid. And so ultimately, Eric does agree to pay them. It's just there's a lot of gay lines in here and I have to point them all out. No, That's I mean, my job not here wrong. at the Mutant Ages. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I didn't mind the scene, but I was kind of like, wow. I mean, I guess this is just establishing the characters of these villains. Like, that's it. That's the only reason this is here. Yep. You know? So then the Blackbird shows up to Mira Island, and I'm sure you wrote down the awesome remix of the theme song that was playing. I like that remix. I think it's been used before, but yeah, I always enjoy when they remix that theme song. Uh, so it's Wolverine, Rogue, Jubilee, and Gambit who are arriving there. And... Moira comes out to meet them and she's pissed that they're there and she's like your presence will only reinforce Charles's delusions and Logan is like back off lady Charles said he needed us there's a lot of this outer space mumbo jumbo that nobody knows except maybe the professor and Banshee goes Dr. McTaggart should know what's best for 
hey, because Wolverine's walking Wolverine's away. just like walking and away. And goes, someone should teach you some manners. And Jubilee goes, uh-oh. And Wolverine pops his claws <laughs> and goes, plenty of tried, pal. And he sheathes his claws like he's going to fight. And Moore's like, can we not get blood all over my front lawn, please? Yeah, Thank you. and she maintains that it's delusions. And Logan is like, I'll tell you whether the professor's crazy. And then back to Cassidy Keep again. Black Tom's making out with $10 million. He has so much money. I Where, I, where did Eric the Red get that money is my real question. I don't know. I guess he just has a bunch of money from like impersonating a human for so long. And like the money isn't really But what was he doing or... as a human? Was he robbing or is he just like also a millionaire? I don't know. He just, how did he have it in cash? I don't know. I have no answer to these questions. It's, it's I don't know. But then Juggernaut shows up to bring Lelandra in and she's, passed out and tied to a chair mm-hmm. to give to Eric the Red. Eric the Red blasts her to wake up. They're just like, you know, like waking like, her up. Like, I don't up. know why that would work. But yeah, he blasts I her don't know. and it wakes her up. There's all this stuff here where Lelandra immediately recognizes him. Mm-hmm. And she, she calls him by his real, real name. Shocker Eye. I don't know. Yeah. And that the planet. But then he's all like, well, on this planet, I'm known as Eric, Eric the, the Red. Red. He's known to like nobody, by the I way. I know. He's, he's decided that the planet knows him as Eric the Red. <laughs> no one on the planet knows or cares about him at all. And he's like, and you, I know. my princess, are my deliverance from this wasteland. Tell me where the Encron crystal is. Is. Oh my god, he starts bitching about Earth again. I'm like, oh, we I get know. it. Like, god, you don't you like hate being your here. job. Oh my god. We're Calm so down. over it. Anyway, she doesn't she ignores him and she starts using her telepathy to send Charles a message and once again she's just like Xavier, help, help me. I know. It's kind of annoying. By the way, whenever she uses telepathy, Xavier and her have this new like telepathy vision where it's like they glow. Yeah. And they sparkle and become light blue. I think just because it's like trying to indicate to the viewer that they're communicating with each other. And so then we see this really funny shot of Xavier like sparkling and getting the message and Jubilee in the background just goes, Professor, because like (laughs) once again, he wasn't paying attention to something, which did make me laugh. (laughs) And meanwhile, Logan is in the room room as well and he smells that juggernaut was there but oh yeah they're because they're in Moore island in his in, room. yeah they're basically in xavier's room just checking out the situation and logan is like there were three of them juggernaut and two i've never smelled before one ain't even human and moira is like blown away by this and is like charles wasn't imagining things i know and then xavier screams lalandra yeah there's also i think lalandra's trying to send him a symbol of yes that's in the next scene first we cut back to eric this is all blood together. I know. They, there's a bunch of cross cuts between these two scenes. So for now, we cut back to Eric the Red trying to interrogate Lander, who's just not talking to him and he goes why do you not answer me you are attempting to contact someone and then he shoots her and xavier can so feel she it out. and he starts screaming again i know and so then we're back to the scene in xavier's bedroom and Moira's shaking him and they're all just standing there and xavier's like i saw a stag and a dragon and Mar- like this makes no sense but banshee has there's a cutaway to banshee's face and he looks surprised and like yeah i thought that was cool that they show that i thought that was cool too and then eventually banshee's like this actually does make sense yeah well, is real and I know where she is. Yeah. And Wolverine's just like, what the actual fuck is happening a right now? A stag fighting a dragon is the Cassidy family crest. My family. You do a better, you do a better Scottish accent than you. I'm not even trying It's carved with that. in stone above the hearth in the great hall of Cassidy Keep. I mean, none of their accents are good. See, I could be all like rogue if you need me to yeah, because I've been doing her voice, voice. For, so long, for so long, y'all, but 
I can't do the Scottish accent. So, you know. Well, that's good. You know, we can just trade off, I guess. I don't actually think my Scottish accent is good. I don't good. know. You people know, I like us. I think to the mutantages at gmail.com. I hope people enjoy all of our voices out here because it's night. It, here's the mutant ages breakdown. There's like 25% of us re- recapping the show, 50% of us talking about who's gay, and 25% of us like making funny voices. I, I think those percentages might be wrong. It's 90% us talking about who's gay and then 10% that's, the other things. I feel like we have to dedicate more time to who's talking about us talking about who's gay oh my god back to cassidy keep eric is like she may have had time to contact professor xavier and that mutant rabble of his the x-men and juggernaut is like don't worry i definitely already killed professor xavier i super killed that guy he's he's dead i did it don't worry about that don't worry, but then we get to go back to Banshee's stupid screen oh fight, God. and Wolverine's covering his ears, by the this way. This scene is so good. So Banshee's uh, just carrying Wolverine over the water to Cassidy Keefe, and Wolverine just covering his ears as Banshee screams crazy. I mean, I guess they, I don't know why they didn't take a boat or the plane. Instead, they I guess had it's Rogue faster. and Banshee. I don't know. I don't know. I can only imagine them having to like, where were they? They So they, I guess it might have been some other part of Scotland, but supposedly near where yeah, I Otherwise, mean, I guess we, they were flying with Banshees screaming for like hours. I can only imagine that. They'd be like, oh, we're getting on our flight with Banshee. <laughs> for like 25 fucking minutes. I mean, that's what it is. Okay, so then they land at Cassidy <laughs> Keep and Wolverine goes, with a mouth like yours, we should have just tried to sneak in here with a marching band. And I that's not where I thought he was even going to say because he was like, with a mouth like yours. I was I'm like, like, where's this going, what? Wolverine? And then Banshee goes, If you think that's bad, you should hear me sing. And I was like, They're flirting. I They are one hundred percent flirting. Them. I know. I enjoy them. That part made me laugh really hard and I fell in love with them. I know you did. So earlier today, Maddie, before I even watched the episode, she goes, I was like, there's a new ship that I won't reveal. And Ryan immediately was like, it's Banshee and Wolverine. And I was like, how did you know? (laughs) I mean, there's things I remember about this episode from seeing it many times. And it's that black Tom Cassidy and And Juggernaut Juggernaut are super gay, but both in the comic books and in this. But that also Banshee and Wolverine in the comics and this sort of have like weird flirtatious banter. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact lines. Rogue so comes up and like, is like, we yeah. need to find Lalandra. And they all realize they don't know what she looks like. And Wolverine just goes, you see a woman you don't know? Rescue her, which is a good line. And then the space station zombies come out and start attacking yep. them. And Banshee screams and that makes them pass out. And it also makes the I, I love shaking. how Banshee also goes, leave it to me. Ah! <laughs> okay, I can't get His over this. powers are just, really funny. Okay, like, I, one more shout out. I'm sorry, but we just did uh, the Warcraft Valley podcast, which is the podcast Katie and have over at Atomic Blue Productions also. And it's us reviewing our teenage fan fictions. And we just brought up Banshee in that. And we were dying because Katie kept being like, I can fly. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's basically what he does. So it was episode. ironic that we ended up watching this next. I was like, now I just imagine Katie being like, I mean, his scream is actually like more annoying than that in the actual episode. Oh, yeah. It's more like a. (laughs) It's it's really ear splitting. And they like put a filter on it and shit to like really just make it kill you. (laughs) It's horrible. Anyway, so inside the castle, as the castle is shaking, Black Tom just goes, sounds like the Lord of the Castles come home to be buried and i was like oh okay and juggernaut goes it'll be my pleasure he's gonna bury your dick in you then maybe all right 
I don't know what's with me today, but I can tell you that I think everything in this episode is so gay. I mean, I'm with These you. These lines are gay, right? It's not just me. I mean, they're gay in the way that this show is, where it's just like a bunch of male characters like dominating each other. Like that is pretty typical of, of how they all talk to each it's other. It's the 90s. This is just how it was. Um. So anyway, Banshee and the X-Men walk in. Tom starts shooting at them and Gambit sees Lander in the corner and is like, there's the woman. And he throws a card to like get the guards around her to scatter, yeah, which kind of about works. to get really confusing, by the way. There's yeah. this fight sequence. It's really cool. It it's is really well cool. Animated, I really liked but it. But there's just so there's much happening. happening. Um, somehow Jubilee gets snuck up on by the juggernaut, but then she distracts him with fireworks for a little bit, but he grabs her coat as she's like running away. Yeah. And so Rogue flies up and then there's this cool sequence where she like knocks the juggernaut through a bunch of walls but knocks both of them out over the course of that. So they're collapsed. That's a in great animation. Room. It looks so neat. It's so great. It's like a side view of Rogue. Like the movie that's coming to mind is, I think it's the Naked Gun where they make a joke about how they're on a set and you can, you know, the, the yeah. camera pans around and sometimes he walks around the set instead of through the door. It's kind of like that angle, mm -hmm. except it's Rogue busting Juggernaut through multiple walls. Yeah, yeah. It's like from the audience's perspective it's profile right. view anyway it's pretty cool so then wolverine goes up to lalandra and he's going to use his claws to like slice off the ropes and he says chuck sends his best but he doesn't manage to do it because first tom shoots him with his little magic wand wand thing, and logan you know gets what he really wanted briefly. to go to hogwarts that's what all he wanted in life <laughs> it's really not a wand it's a huge staff we should call it that but <sighs> it's it's from that generation of x-men where a bunch of characters also had staffs yep and so then the next time Tom shoots his beams, Banshee leaps directly in front of it and like absorbs the blast and isn't hurt by it. And we're like, oh, what? Right. And Banshee's like, your powers could never hurt me, little brother. And Tom goes, nor could yours hurt me. Fists usually settle things and they start beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> also, it does that mean that Black Tom Cassidy's powers are mutant related and not magic That's related. That's what I wondered too. I mean, I could have looked it up or like, I'm surprised I don't remember. Well, but it I actually also... made me wonder if they both have like a magical edge to their powers or something or if it's mutant or both or what. I don't know, but now I'm Googling Black Tom Cassidy because I want to know. If he's a mutant or not. Uh, Black Tom is a mutant who can manipulate, bond with, and project en energy through plant life. So that's why he's holding the wand. Oh, so he's using, because it's wooden. So he's just beaming energy yes. through the wand. So it's not magic. It's a mutant power. Okay, there we go. That makes more it's sense. It's not magic. It, it just, seem magical. I, I don't, I can't remember. I'm, I'm mad at myself for not remembering for misremembering that. that his powers aren't magical. I think it's because. I feel like we knew, I mean, I knew he was a mutant. I mean, he's in Deadpool and he's a mutant in that because he's wearing the mutant. Yeah, well, I knew, I knew he was a collar. mutant. I just didn't know how things went but i think that character from he definitely alpha, alpha flight shaman is that his name he doesn't shaman actually have magic like a wand and he has magic and that's who i'm confusing yeah, i with. mean there are magical there are magical characters in marvel comics all the time i mean there's doctor strange which is literally magic well, so. well black tom cassidy has kind of a doctor strange look like he has the doctor strange right, exactly beard. He, he's wearing this like sort of robe kimono thing kind of in this episode at least and he has this staff that shoots beams he definitely seems like a magical character but he's not right. he's a mutant anyway there's this really cool shot during this fight scene where you can see in the background rogue and the juggernaut like collapsed in that room like through multiple walls but like in the foreground you see all the other characters fighting it's just a cool shot it's a it's a really great shot i think it's yeah. gambit fighting eric the red is it and then also yeah, and then also tom and banshee fighting so anyway yes. in the background rogue is getting up and then 
Jubilee is like running through the wall to get to her and to get to There's Juggernaut. There's a great animation here of Jubilee seeing Juggernaut about to beat the Shadow Rogue through her sunglasses and they like her sunglasses drop onto her face and it backs up as she shoots the fireworks and it's just a really cool animation. Yeah, so Jubilee like runs up and is shooting these fireworks at Juggernaut basically to distract him so that Rogue can get up and the fireworks don't have any effect on him or anything. They're basically just like well, she get him distracted that enough a, that Rogue yeah. gets up and then she Rogue grabs Jubilee and they fly through the hole in the wall. And but he throws a rock at them and I think it does hit Rogue right because I then, think she, so, drops because then she drops Jubilee into Gambit and then she bumps into Gambit who then also falls. Oh, over. that's what it is. Yeah, it's like everybody just piles on top of each other in an anime comical kind of manner. Mm-hmm. Rogue flies into Gambit right after he says, teach you some respect for a lady while kicking the crap out of Eric, which is kind of funny. That is pretty um, funny. And then Eric gets back up and is like, forget these freaks. We must get Lalandra to my ship. And then for no reason at all, Lalandra manages to get herself free of the ropes. It reminded and me of Warcraft Valley, buddy. kidnapped again. Immediately. No, okay. But I was thinking about how she's like, Turns out I could have gotten out of the ropes oh, all this time. Like, I don't know, like, what? Okay, <laughs> but then but two seconds useless. later is knocked out and they... No, she's a knocked out. Juggernaut just grabs yeah, her, Yeah, he right? just and immediately then... grabs her. It's like she gets out of the ropes and then screams, No! As Juggernaut's it's so, hand it's grabs so her bad. again. It's so bad. I'm telling you, it's... The, why it's just bother? Lantra does not do well I feel like the reason episode. why they did that was actually because they were trying to be like, let's empower her briefly. Like, let's show she can get free. But then it just makes her look stupider because it's like she gets <laughs> free uh, like she takes an hour to finally get the ropes off and then immediately is kidnapped again anyway i know i know they run off on the way out eric throws this weird grenade thing that like freezes everyone but only for this like is, one this is second so, okay so wolverine and rogue bust free because wolverine's tough as shit and breaks the ice and rogue's got super strength so Rogue flies up through the ceiling to stop them. But then all the rest of the X Men are there later. There. But also Wolverine and Rogue did not help the other X Men. They must have though, because Jubilee and Gambit are there later. And like, how would I they feel have like this out? is one of those storyboarding errors where like there may have been another piece that was supposed to be animated and it just did not happen. I guess. I mean, I just don't know why this grenade even happens. All it does is slow the X Men down by like one second, and they finally get out to the balcony again. And Eric the Red and everybody's like about to get into the ship and fly away but then don't worry there's yet another plot point that's about to be fucking introduced oh my god wait this character. is so funny by the way there okay so they there's all this model again i didn't write it and any of it down either, because it's between care. eric the red and black tom cast and landra screaming about matters. this that and like the next thing with the shiar empire and every single time it would break away to show two fists that kind of look like Captain Marvel's, but it's yeah, not. It's, it's gonna not. be gladiator. It's like these two and it keeps on being like don 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 don, and then we'll go back to them co- having a conversation, and then we we'll go back and be like don 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 don. And it's like dun. all these clouds, and we see this like person flying through outer space, approaching Earth, and all we can see is their hands and like the cameras from right, their exactly. perspective. And so then, then this person finally lands, and it's gladiator, and he's a purple man, mm-hmm. by the way. He's like kind of grayish He's got Superman's purple. powers. Yeah. 
He's like an evil Mohawk Superman. Yeah, pretty much, but kind of shittier too. And Logan too. just goes, "They're coming out of the woodwork," which is like funny <laughs> to me. I like it. Logan so, is just Wolverine, like, fed of course, is up typically with the aliens landing on everything. He's just like, "Fuck this," honestly. Um, so Gladiator's standing there, and Eric is like, "Gladiator, it is an honor to oh welcome the leader of the Emperor's." He jumps guard. down onto his knees in front of Gladiator. Gladiator, I'm like, "Oh my god, he wants to suck his dick." Well, because right now. it's like anytime somebody who is above Eric the Red in status shows up. Eric the Red immediately like prostrates himself before them and is like, "I'm ready to suck your dick, sir. I'm he- I'm here for the Shi'ar Emperor." <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Oh my god. Um, and Gladiator. But Gladiator's is not, not having happy. any of it. He's he's just like, "You kind of suck, dude." Your bungling has displeased the Emperor. You were ordered to have the laundry and the crystal in your possession to greet the Emperor, and you don't have either fucking one of those things, you idiot. <laughs> and Lalandra comes forward. Oh, and I think Eric is like. I have Lalandra. And Gladiator's like, no one fucking cares. We want the crystal. And Lalandra comes yeah, forward much. and she's like, talking to Gladiator and she's like, you are a warrior of honor. Why do you serve a madman like my brother? And Gladiator's like, I serve the imperial throne of Shi'ar and Deken sits on that throne. It's a very similar situation to um, Black Panther yeah. with Akoi and how she's like, I have to serve this other dude even though I don't want to, but then eventually she decides that. I feel like it's a really that, typical Marvel Comics thing yeah, of like really the guard is. character who will have to be like, oh, I have to continue to serve this king even though I don't agree with them or whatever it may be. Right, right. It's, a, it's also like it's just a classic sci-fi trope. Pretty much. I dug it though. I bought it. Wait, do you love how Juggernaut eventually is like, why, why are we this? even listening to Bad Hair Day over here? And it's like, yeah, I enjoyed it. Good and point. then I enjoyed this next scene where Gladiator just picks Juggernaut up and throws, and throws him into him, another country. Throws him across the ocean to another <laughs> island and we don't even know where the <laughs> island is and it's like a really long shot. We just watch it happen. It's wild. I mean, we have the same reaction Jubilee does because yeah. then Jubilee's like, wow, I didn't think anyone could do that to Juggernaut. And Gambit, and Gambit just like, nobody from Earth. <laughs> he says it so casually. It's like, nobody from Earth. And it's like, okay, Gambit, because you're an expert. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> I did like the precedent that was being set by the episode of like showing how strong Juggernaut is and like reminding us of that. And we even have the line earlier that we didn't mention where Rogue is like, don't forget, we aren't strong enough to fight Juggernaut, even though we've tried before. And Rogue's strong. And Rogue is really so. strong. So we have all this setup in the episode of being like, Juggernaut's really strong. We can't fight him. And then this guy Gladiator just flies in from outer space and immediately like picks Juggernaut like defeat, up by yeah, the he, foot like, and just him with his finger, basically. instantly KOs him so it's like oh shit this gladiator guy is just gonna fucking destroy the x-men and there's nothing they can do about it no i know and he's like princess you're coming with me wolverine says not without a fight she's not and gladiator just turns around and blows on them and they blow away i know he just blows air on them (laughs) i enjoyed that and then well except for rogue who flies away and he shoots shoots him down with his Superman eye beams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so then Tom just kind of tosses Landra at Gladiator and is like, take her with my respects to the Emperor and just like bounces, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Wait, I, that's not how I read any of that. Oh, really? I read it as like Black Tom Cassidy being like, wait, I'm just going to fucking go. Wait, uh, wait, no, no. I'm thinking of Eric the Red in a few minutes, oh, but well, you're Black right. Tom Black Tom Cassidy's Tom just, just like, honestly, I got my $10 million. I'm just going to fucking go. I got what I want. And also I have to go find my boyfriend <laughs> yeah. somewhere else, Miles away so he disappears and gladiator is like i'm sorry princess but you must give your brother the crystal and she's like i think i think it's important to mention that did i skip something no 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 it's that gladiator and lalandra's conversations are really important because gladiator shows up but we're instantly like oh fuck a really terrifyingly strong super villain but there's all this conversation between lalandra and him where 
he's posed as somebody that's just trying to do the correct thing. Yeah, he's and just like, doing he's, his job. He's, being up, he's apologizing to Lalandra that he has to basically capture her and take the Enchrom crystal from her. Yeah, I, but I mean, ultimately, he she's entirely doing the agree right with thing. It, but, he's just following yeah. orders, but right. that's bad. Anyway, she's like, for the sake of the universe, no. And then... So then she reaches out to Xavier and she starts screaming at him. Yeah, but then also Xavier sends the message to Gene. I wasn't sure if he did that intentionally or not. I thought it was just him or Gene sending just hears out, it, out to perhaps. all the X-Men. And I think Gene heard it and or possibly the... Lilandra sent it to Jean without intending to, based on what's revealed later. Well, no, I think Lilandra sends a message to Xavier to help him, and then Xavier just screams, Lilandra, X-Men, help me! Because I think there's like a shot of all the X-Men being like, what? <laughs> and I think that's when Jean like jumps out of bed, and she's like, I have to go to Cassidy Keep. And Cyclops is all like, wait, what? And Jean's like, the Phoenix must go! <laughs> Jean turns into the Phoenix and flies out the window. She and Cyclops is like, what fire. the fuck is happening? And she flies <laughs> to Mirror Island or wherever the fuck island in they like are. Seconds. In like one second, which is pretty cool. It was cool to see. Actually, that. I was going to say, I know we're making fun of it, but when she finally turns into the Phoenix and flies out the window, like, I got a chill on my amazing. spine. It was amazing. I really I, enjoyed I it. was really all into being like, yes. She's turned into the Phoenix and it was badass. I don't know. I, I love Jean Grey as Phoenix. So yeah, same. Okay. So she gets there and she's like, Lilandra's under my protection depart. And she's like in this fire halo, like floating above everybody. Yeah. Jean's just saying that. And Eric's like, what the fuck is happening? Gladiator walks up and he's like, there's no way you can stop me. And he like tries to shoot some wind at her. Yeah. Nothing happens. Meanwhile, Eric like quietly is getting into his ship. Oh my God. It's so fun. It's pretty much after Gladiator tries to use all of his powers against gene and gene doesn't even flinch yeah that eric quickly jumps into his space cruiser and just leaves it's amazing it's like all the other bad guys are just quietly like well gotta go <laughs> like, like this is, they, they, it's fun it's basically as, as a new super powered person comes in it gets stronger and stronger and stronger than the lowest one just bounces. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know, yeah. they're like, we're out. <laughs> so Gladiator goes, no one defies the Emperor and lives. And Phoenix goes to him, if you will serve no worthy master, then learn the power of Phoenix. And she like blasts him, but then ultimately allows him to live. And she's like, you may survive to tell your master to abandon his evil quest for the crystal. And then she like shoots him off into outer space. Like, yeah, super she basically far turns away. him into a fire. And there's all this awesome like synthesizer music that is like sparkly and like it's like has a major key most of the time so at least for the moment we're supposed to see the phoenix as like a good thing that is saving people and like is extremely powerful but is using her powers for good and so there's like this sort of epic 80s sounding synthesizer effects there which is cool right lalandra says are you the child of the crystal and phoenix says yes and lalandra goes you are the phoenix the legend spoke of the guardian of the uncrowned crystal you must help me to keep the crystal from falling into the hands of my brother the emperor and like meanwhile throughout this gene is like collapsing to the ground and like looks exhausted and she just goes yeah he is here and just points at the sky and goes there and then like many light years away <laughs> the, the emperor is arriving like in a wormhole and so we see right. gladiator like way in outer space looking at the wormhole just being like hmm a wormhole and then we see like a ship flying through it and i guess it's the right. emperor's ship and we see the inside of it. it's a really fucking big ship and then the emperor's like sitting in a chair on the inside just like talking to himself and he goes the crystal is here. I can feel its power. <laughs> it basically lasts for nine days. Mm -hmm. To be continued. That's it. That's and the that's end. where it ends. 
that's the end of that. Oh, that was so much plot. Oh, my it gosh. was a lot of plot and like not much actually happened. Right. When you look at the, the long and short of it, basically Xavier goes to Beer Island and is a juggernaut attacks him, mm-hmm. takes Lalandra. Then all the X-Men show up. Then they all go over to Cassidy Keep and argue about Lalandra for the next 15 minutes. Meanwhile, Juggernaut and Black Tom Cassidy are going to sell Lalandra to these space aliens, which like, how did they even meet the space aliens? Like, we I don't even know. I mean, who who knows with these guys? Eric the Red commissioned these two jokers to capture Lalandra for him for some reason for $10 million, which is no small f- sum. So anyway, $10 million. That worked somehow. It's, I, don't know. I mean, it's not a bad episode, but it's just it's so much exposition because they're cramming so many comic books into a tiny time period here. Yeah, um, I mean, I think they did a pretty good job. We can talk about politics. I don't know how much how much there really is. We've learned. I mean, a little my, bit my main gripe with the politics the about this. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say it could be about the Shi'ar, but my main gripe is that it's based on a comic that's basically from like the 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. when women were just starting to really get to do stuff. So Lalandra's treatment is still as though as though she had been written In a the full 70s. decade before the 90s, you know? Yeah, So or two decades before, possibly. The original comics happened between like 1976 and 1980, uh, and then a little bit before and after. But even reflective of the Avengers at that time, it was like it had to be somebody who wrote Jam Van Dyne to get women onto the Avengers. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she hired people to do that. And I think the X Men. I think I think these comics did do a little bit better in some regards because I mean the Fantastic Four had Invisible Woman. Well, and... also like we're talking about the story of the Phoenix here, which is like sort of this feminist tale. Yeah. So yeah, you've exactly. got like this character who's like a female character who's getting all of these powers, and so maybe they were kind of like. Let's balance it out by having this sort of sci-fi princess get kidnapped in like a typical schlocky yeah. way. And also, like I, I'm thinking about how Storm had been introduced relatively around that that around the same time. Like not too much. It was just before the Phoenix Saga. I think it wasn't too far before that. And Storm also at that time when she was joined the cast, it was like a big deal because it was a woman and she was also black and like. There hadn't been really that at all. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's just telling of the time that like most of these comics were dominated by men and that, you know, sure, we get somebody like Storm and Jean Grey who get massive power ups. But Jean Grey is a character who needed to get a massive power up to even be recognized <laughs> yeah, like, as like initially a character. She was you know? just kind of bopping around being like, I'm Jean Grey. I yeah. have some powers. And I think the, the treatment of Lalandra in this where they're like, oh, we're going to sell her. We're going to kidnap her. We're going to beat the shit out of her. We're going to throw her around. Like, it, it's bad to look at this and be like, oh, I can't believe that she's being treated like this on the show. But it was also in the 90s and it was progressive then, right? So it's actually that it's based on a story that was told two decades before that. So, you know, it's basing it on a time that women didn't do so well in the comic books. And I think yeah. the X-Men the Ammon series certainly has made great strides to make that the opposite of that. So, yeah, she doesn't do well in this. But as I said, I don't think it's a problem with the show. I think it's a problem with politics in the 70s, you know? Yeah. And also, I'm not sure how they could have rewritten this to fix that because you have to deal with, like, the core plot line of Lalandra 
capturing right. this specific crystal and everybody's after it. So it's like she seems like an object because she's captured this object that is necessary to advance the plot. But they ju- right, and so they just kind of use... Those two things are kind of interchangeable. We're like she's, yeah, she's exactly. possessing this object and also she's treated like one because she may as well be the crystal herself because that's like what the plot is dictating, you know? So I don't know how you fix that, really. Because like this came out in like 1976 or around that time, right? Which is when Star Wars also mm-hmm. became the a Death thing. The Death Star so- plans. That is what I was thinking of this entire all of this is pulled almost directly Leia from stealing there. the Death Star plans and like right. every, like oh I'm trying to prevent this all of this mass death from occurring in my galaxy like it's very but when you think about that. it also Princess Leia is a character in the original Star Wars film who was like oh wow she's kind of badass and snarky but she doesn't get to do that much in the first film before she's captured and all this other stupid shit happens and then she's being treated like kind of shitty i mean i know carrie fisher did yeah, the best that I she mean, could yeah i mean there's definitely a similar interrogation scene where like darth vader goes into the yeah, prison exactly. and interrogates her and she's kidnapped and then luke has to save her but then after that things really pick up and she gets to start shooting people in corridors yeah and it's a, it's basically xavier is like luke skywalker in this he's scenario exactly and fucking, like luke skywalker exactly and, and he's, he's a exactly lightsaber. like Han Solo, and he's just as cool as Han Solo. Uh, no, Wolverine is more like Han Solo. Let's be real. Hmm. Actually, no. Corsair's gonna be exactly like Han Solo. He hasn't been introduced yet, but the Star Jammers are coming, and that is kind of what that's about. It's it pulls so much from Star Wars. Maybe not intentionally, but I think it was intentional. But I mean, it would have been the other way around, right? Like Star Wars would have pulled from this because weren't some of these things written before? All right, we have to do some more googling before we sound <laughs> oh, stupid again. Oh my god. Okay. In 1976, he had finished, George Lucas had finished the fourth draft of the script, which eventually was used when production began on March 25th, 1976. That's from a biography.com article about George Lucas and Star Wars. Anyway, that's probably the best we're going to get. I don't know when Lalandra was first introduced. I didn't expect us to have to do so much Googling this episode. 1976. Wow, almost the the exact same time. That is so spooky. Okay. I thought it was. I thought this is all based on Star Wars. It wasn't. I think it was just that this is the kind of story that was being told so much in 1976. Was just princesses in space stealing atomic bomb metaphors and just transporting them around. I mean, I really okay. I know, that, up, I know that A New Hope was written as a response to Vietnam and the Vietnam War and like the idea of unjust wars. And like that was specifically one of George Lucas's motivations. I would for love it. to hear from our listeners and see what they have to say about this. So please I would email be curious us at the mutant well. at gmail.com because we kind of walked right into a conundrum. Like this wasn't intentional. We were just <laughs> I don't know trying to explain politics and then we were looking up dates. I'm and really we were curious. Like, I'm curious about it, but I also I think that probably these stories were influenced by 70s politics at the time and sort of like yeah you know second wave feminism and civil rights movement and all those things um yeah so that's I agree. cool i mean i i think like those things probably influence these stories in ways that we maybe don't even know about because we weren't alive then um so i don't think there's, there's really any other heavy politics here that we haven't already discussed in a previous episode because we've been talking about the shiar and there are intergalactical really. I mean, words. you kind of mentioned the idea of Gladiator being a just-following-orders kind of a guy, which I'm yeah. not sympathetic to that, especially in the current political climate. But I, well, I'm not either, unless he turns it around, which I think he does, if I recall. Oh, really? Okay. I guess we'll find out. Because I remember Gladiator being a character that's, like, not 
bad, but I remember him seeming bad at first, but then I don't but know. But then it turns out that he changes his mind later. Hmm. I think he I think he takes an Akoi direction where he's like, I'm not gonna serve I'm not gonna take this. sides. Both sides are making good points. And then he just flies away I know, into space. Pretty much he just leaves. He's like, I'm going on vacation, bitch. <laughs> and then he leaves. That would be bad. I hope he doesn't do that either. But I guess I know I they need we'll their see. Superman. That's an interesting politic though. Uh because Gladiator is blatantly Superman. Like mm. blatantly because his powers don't come from the sun. But he's still but he's, from outer he's space. He's flying around. He's from outer space. He's flying around. He's got super strength. He's got, he can blow wind and he can shoot lasers from his eyes. Mm-hmm. That is literally Superman. But he has a cool punk rock mohawk and also he serves a dictator. So. Uh, yeah, that too. But also I was going to be like, well, that is sort of like what happens with Krypton, right? Like somebody decides that he wants to be, what's his face? I don't, you know what? I don't know Superman. I don't fucking care about Superman. I love Supergirl Super and Superboy, but. Don't fucking care about Clark Kent. I find him boring. If I just insulted somebody, I'm sorry. I just don't like Superman. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I only have a soft spot for Clark Kent because I'm also a journalist. And so sometimes I like stories about I figured I always saw you more of as a Lois Lane. Oh, well, duh. Lois Lane is always more competent than Clark Kent. Anyway. Also, she's just you. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't really know which Superman villain you're referring to, but there's there's obviously I I don't know I, think I don't I'm, know I if think Gladiator is supposed Zod. to be a villain though. Yeah, Zod is an example. Well, okay, so I think that you know Gladiator is almost a different take on what if like Krypton didn't explode and Superman just became like some sort of lieutenant, right? You know, like, and what if what if some sort of evil dictator took over a Krypton esque planet? Like, what if Zod took over Krypton? Yeah, and like if Zod had all of the armies of Krypton still and was like flying around space. I mean, that's kind of what's being supposed here. So, I mean, I think it's interesting how they're sort of borrowing that concept. Mm-hmm. But I also comic books still have this thing where writers and artists like are interchangeable between DC and Marvel, and it's you know, sure, yeah, Chris Claremont was very adamantly marvel but a lot of these writers bounce back and forth and continue to do so because it's like whoever will pay them to write a story and all these comic book writers want to write these stories for all comic books so are you suggesting that like somebody could have come from dc or or from marvel or whatever and been like i have a really i I have a good idea for superman comic oh well i guess i'll just create this other character or i mean that's i'll just use gladiator to tell this superman idea that i had or somebody like chris could have been like oh i just like don't you know, I just want to write some sort of like commentary on Superman. I don't know. It's interesting. It is interesting. The further we go into the politics here, the more I realize how interesting they are because we've got this weird Star Wars versus X-Men thing. Who wrote it first? <laughs> and then we have like this weird like Superman thing. We know that Superman came first. At least we know that much. Yeah, so. we do know that much. But it is always kind of interesting to think about the characters in Marvel and DC that are super similar to each other and like the obvious parallels. And like sometimes Marvel comes up with the concept first, sometimes DC does. And that it's just fun. It's fun to think about it. I mean, Deadpool and Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. Both completely identical characters. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Uh so, um, oh, I don't know. There's like politics going on of the Shi'ar in terms of like this dictator who is willing to go to another planet and just doesn't give a fuck. Like, well, that's partly because Lalandra escaped to this other planet and sort of unwittingly put everybody in danger. No, by I mean, yes, she here. did that, but Eric the Red was already there. Remember? Yeah, you're right. This dude has basically put alien spies all over the fucking place. Yeah, for whatever reason to have like a somebody in his back pocket to like be able to fuck over any planet at a given time this guy's an asshole yeah but i mean it's kind of it introduces this idea that there's like 
spies among us everywhere and you'll never know there's just aliens everywhere and they might be part of a regime that's trying to kill us and that's completely factual and you should be suspicious of everyone. area 51 uh yeah i don't have anything deep to say about that because i don't really know that there is anything deep to say about aliens it. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay uh, all right let's talk about who's that x-men okay who's that x-men Oh my god. Okay, so it's Banshee. <laughs> I yeah, I really wanted to write about Juggernaut or Black Tom Cassidy, but the liter- the title of this is called Cry of the Banshee. I know. So I was like, we have to do Banshee. I don't remember if he ever comes back. I'm sure he does, but he's not in X-Men Evolution or I don't remember him being a Wolverine in the X-Men. That's and too bad. He is he's in a in lot the of generation- these early comics from this time period. So I understand. I actually really like Banshee in. too, but he does he's Somebody that's prominent, but really hasn't done a lot. He's also not like in the modern X-Men movies, really. Like he's in that one movie, First Class, uh, right? Yes, he's in First Class, but... Is he in any of the other ones? I can't remember He anymore. is in Generation X. Okay. Which is that TV movie that I love. And I don't think I've seen it. You, well, you and I are going to have to watch it for this show. This is one of the things... So. You listeners, tell us if you want us to break up our movie episodes into two parters because I realize they're like three hour long episodes. And well, we only put out an episode every two weeks, so I don't know. I don't know. You can tell us if you want that, but if we did that, we could go into a little bit more detail on some other stuff because yeah, we do they the could movie... be six hours, and then we could release two, three exactly. hour episodes. Tell us if that's what you want. Okay, but anyway, so Banshee isn't Generation X the movie, okay, and cool. I can't wait for you to watch that with me because it's gonna be. Right. Except first we have to watch X3 according to the stupid rules that we made up. I know. I mean, technically, if we go by those rules, we have to watch everything in the Fox universe. But I may be willing to go to Generation X after X3 because I will prolong as long as possible to get to Wolverine X-Men Origins. So. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe I'll actually not fall asleep this time. I'm going to have to for this show. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, so anyway, but we're not here to talk about Wolverine. We're talking about Banshee. Um, so Banshee was created by Roy Thomas and Werner Roth. And he possesses a superhuman scream that allows physical vibrations and, that causes physical vibrations and damages people's auditory systems. Sometimes it can make them a little sick and woozy in the same way that Vertigo can. Um, it also allows him to fly. Yay. Just go with it. Um, he's immune to his brother's powers, which is Black Tom Cassidy. And he also has superhuman hearing because why not? <laughs> he's got Wolverine powers there. Uh, Banshee used to be an Interpol agent. And then eventually he was an NYPD o- police officer. So he's got a lot of sort of... He likes being an authority figure. Yes. He likes like, putting people in handcuffs. I mean, I guess he wants to do that to Wolverine. Sure. He was older than most of the X-Men at the time. So, you know, the X-Men are probably like in their early 20s. He was probably that was sort of somebody that was born in his 30s, 40s because he's dating Moira, mm-hmm. right? Which is exa- at least somewhere near Xavier's age. So he was, he was an X-Men that was older than all the X-Men. Banshee was first discovered by the villain Changeling, who invited him to join the Factor 3, which is a villainous group. Banshee declined, so they captured him and placed a headband around his head that would explode if they dis- if he disobeyed them. He worked for them for a long time and was forced to do criminal missions until eventually, when he was on a mission in New York City, he encountered the X-Men. Professor X somehow disarmed a headband with his telepathy. Don't ask how. Just go with it, because that's not his power. And Banshee then helped the X-Men defeat the Factor 3, uh, not too long after that, the Factor 3 captured him again, but the X-Men and him worked together so they could defeat one of the Factor 3's allies, the Mute Master. 
Banshee then joined the X-Men more officially in the 80s after a mission at Krakoa, and he was present for many famous X-Men storylines, including the Dark Phoenix Saga and the regular Phoenix Saga, so that's why he is even here. And while with the X-Men, he fell in love with Moira McTaggart. They didn't get married. Or even engaged. I mean, maybe they did, and I just don't remember. I don't but know. I'm pretty sure I tried they don't. to look that up, and I couldn't find anything about it. I don't, I don't think that's the thing that happened. I think they just were sort of on and off again. Yeah. And during that time, he also fought Black Tom, Cassidy, the Juggernaut, and all that actually did happen. So they pulled that directly from the comic book. Mm-hmm. At some point, Banshee eventually lost his superpowers because he's damaged his vocal cords, so he couldn't go, ah, anymore. <laughs> so he left the X-Men to go stay with Moira. And during that time, Black Tom Cassidy secretly had been raising Banshee's daughter, Teresa. Uh, and she goes by the name Siren. And she's a character I love. I hope we can do a spotlight on her someday. But she's not in anything, so probably not. Um, but she's great. She's sassy. Uh, she's somebody that eventually like starts sleeping around with multiple men. So. <laughs> but she, she, I, if anything, she should be in the Deadpool movies because she was in the Deadpool comics, like working with Deadpool. Yeah. I'm surprised she wasn't in that movie, especially since they included so many random cameos in Deadpool 2. Siren has the same powers as Banshee. Uh, she assisted Black Tom Cassidy with his crimes until Spider-Woman and the X-Men defeated them. And after that, Black Tom made arrangements for Teresa to be reunited with her father. How nice of him. Um, Banshee regains full use of his powers and he be he brings the X-Men back together because they were kind of all over the place at that point. And after a while, he breaks his jaw and he decides to go back to Moira again. Not that his vocal cords were damaged or anything but he just broke his jaw and was like i have to go see moira um and then after that banshee became one of the two leaders of the generation x so it was him and emma frost leading the massachusetts academy um and he's great in that i love the generation x comics some people love them some people don't because people are really attached to the new mutants which is also very good uh generation x was like sort of the next generation of that um in the 90s but it's worth it because Banshee and Emma Frost are great together and they have a lot of great banter. He later joins the X-Corps and is their leader, which is a group of reformed criminal mutants. And eventually Banshee dies. He dies because of a plane crash caused by Vulcan. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if you were there or not. I'm still here. I'm, I'm just okay. reading stuff on the internet, but about okay, good. Siren, because apparently she was supposed to be the character in X2 who screams to alert the school. Remember that part? I think in the uh, no, X2 I, episode, I, I was gonna, we talked about it. Well, no, because there was the reason why I remember that is that Hugh Jackman was hosting, I think, I don't even remember what thing. Hugh Jackman hosted a lot of things after this, these movies <laughs> in which he, somebody like, there, it was staged, but somebody got up and he was like, excuse me, but Banshee isn't in the movie and some girl has his powers. And Hugh Jackman was like, actually, that's Siren. <laughs> so, amazing i know apparently she was also in x-men the last stand but i don't really remember siren being in that but apparently she's in it uh she is in it for two seconds walking out a door great um cool yeah great um anyway so so he dies and there was a couple different times where they like brought him back to life but then he immediately was like gone again i think one of them was in a Croatia, but it could be wrong about that so don't quote me on that but Teresa and Jamie Madrix, who is multiple man, they had a kid together, which they named Sean after Sean Cassidy. And then eventually Sean was res- resurrected officially, like not too long ago. It was during that same time with like Gambit when he was working for Apocalypse again. And mm. Sean was resurrected by the, celest- the Celestial Death Seed and Banshee became the new Horseman of Death by the Apocalypse qu- Twins. And then after the defeat of the Apocalypse Twins, he stopped being the horseman of death and Hank McCoy brought him in. It was kind of like, okay, let's see if we can heal you. And it, the last we heard about it was Hank being like, it's going to take several years to heal Banshee from the death seat. So 
he's alive, but like, you know, since he's on ice. Ab- yeah, after the nineties, when they, they like killed him like right after the nineties, then they just never brought him back, which with most X-Men, they get resurrected almost immediately. But Banshee It feels like has he's kind of been... screwed at this point. Because like he's not in any of the new movies, so there's no real reason why anybody would recognize him or even be thinking. I don't know. About at him. this point, I think there's gonna be a big retcon on a lot of well not retcon, but there's gonna be a um, big a resurrection reboot, on a lot of basically, characters. Where they could choose which characters they want to have or not again. And so Well, I mean the MCU's gonna reboot reboot it, but because of the MCU, I mean Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Wolverine were all like immediately resurrected all at the same time. So Yeah, but who knows if they're gonna keep that or not, you know? Like they could do anything. They're back in a position of being like, let's make a team, whatever team we want, you know? Yeah, the only bad thing about all that is that now Emma Frost is sort of like out of the picture and a sort of a supervillain again, and it kind of sucks because I think Emma Frost isn't a villain or a good guy, but like I think they if she's been forced into the corner, which just sucks because Emma's such a good character. But that's what happens when Jean Grey's back. Like it's like they can't figure out how to write Cyclops if Jean Grey and Emma are there, both there, unless one of them dies, which that's not great, but whatever. <laughs> so I don't know how I got into that right tangent. Me Who's gay? Either. Who is gay? <laughs> the X Everyone's gay. Everybody's gay. Uh, uh, I like Wolverine and Banshee, but but I don't know if they'd necessarily be the top prize because Wolverine and Banshee aren't like in this a lot. Like, I mean, they're flirting, but they're not fucking. I really yet. enjoy the moments between them. Um, I also enjoy Black Tom Cassidy and Juggernaut. The two of them are clearly in a long term committed relationship, and they you live together see in a them. castle. I think you should. I mean, I don't know how many comics you've read with them both in there, but when they're together, they are. So gay. It's like one of those things I'll that... I'll look up some. I'll find Like, them. Juggernaut sometimes in the comics is posed as, like, a super straight dude because there's a period of time where you, like, had a fling with She-Hulk, which was weird. Mm. But I think he's supposed to be written as gay. Like, I'm pretty sure Black Tom Cassidy and Juggernaut are supposed to be gay, and that's their whole thing. And Who I mean, knows? it's the same, th- same thing as Pyro, where he was also written that way, but... They couldn't say that. And only now can they reveal that Pyro was always gay this whole time. Yeah, but now the actual, the new Pyro is also gay and dating Bobby Drake. So they're, or, well, not dating, but they're fucking at least. So <laughs> They're not dating. Fire and ice, bitch. They're just hooking up. Yeah. I guess, I guess I would say Juggernaut and Black Tongue Cassidy are the top prize. I, we've given Probably. it to Earth Red before, so I, I'll just give him an honorable They also mention. have the gayest lines in this. I mean, I know Banshee and Wolverine have some conversation about what they do with their mouths in their free time. They do. But, I mean, I guess I'll say, like, the whole gladiator emperor Eric the Red, like, there's oh, some Okay, I, I feel like they actually that's... win, speak it. That wins on Eric the Red side. Like, not it's not a two-way thing. This is like it's Eric like the Red being one like, direction. I, he's like, oh, I'm so honored that you're here. I will suck your dick for hours. And that's like, Eric the Red is clearly gay. We see what he's wearing. And every single time we he talks, he's always like, I want to suck everyone's dick that's above me. And it's like, okay, dude, is that <laughs> how you're getting up the ladders just by sucking a lot of cock? And he's I kind like, of yes. enjoy the supposition that nobody's like accepting it, though. That like Eric the Red just keeps yeah, saying like, they're like uh, we don't actually want you to suck your, your dick. dick. And Gladiator and the Emperor are just like, that's fine. I don't. That's not like what your job is, though. <laughs> he's like, I really want it to be my job. For that. 
that. But okay, thanks, buddy. Just keep. Oh it, my god! Keep but a Juggernaut of Black Tom Cassidy have so many gay lines. This, like, I know that you was know, why. What I was if Juggernaut's opening lines was like Juggernaut's like, "Oh, you gotta give me a spanking." I was like, <laughs> "Okay." And uh, Black Tom Cassidy when he's like, "Save pleasure for later," and it's like, "Okay." I was got telling it. you, I think Juggernaut is a bottom. I don't have anything to back it up per se. Oh my god, I that's just because feel like I was like, "That's their dynamic." Because you were like. Oh, it probably hurt to have sex with Juggernaut. And I was like, I don't think it would because I feel like Juggernaut's probably like a total kitten in bed and just is like, I want you to tie me up so that I could not I be honestly, in charge yeah, for once I, in I'm my pretty life. sure he wants to like, I think he's got the Wolverine complex where he wants a shit beaten out of him. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel but like it, he's, he's Black overcompensating Tom's so much in the rest of his life. And Black Tom Cassidy just has that staff. And so he can just like, he is, I also, yeah, I was going to say around. he's not a bottom. It's pretty obvious that Black Tom Cassidy, he, in, in this episode alone, has he was telling Eric the Red, he's like, You're gonna give me what I want. Yeah. And Eric the Red's like, Nope. And Eric, and then fucking Black Tom Cassidy just like had Juggernaut pick him up. He's like, No, you really are gonna give me what I want. Yeah. Like, and Juggernaut and is like, he's I'm like, a good boy. I'm the mad dog in this relationship. I, I do whatever I do what he tells Dom me says. to do. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah that's much. totally the dynamic there. Anyway, I'm happy to make Black Tom Cassidy and Juggernaut the top prize. I mean, I guess Eric the Red could be, but he's gotten it before. And no, he doesn't need it again. And also, I like, I love those two in the comics as a gay couple so I enjoy a canonical them. gay couple it's completely canon according to us and then also yes. Wolverine and Banshee okay that's it the end I'm sure some fan fiction writer out there probably thinks that Black Tom Cassidy is fucking Sean Cassidy but no we don't need to know I don't want to hear about that I like how we're both like no incest I don't know I know I'm with you it's weird but I was saying I was pushing it I out realize, there like that's I realize probably I brought thing it up previously on this show with Sabretooth and Wolverine and well I mean but nobody really understands nobody what understands that what even their is. relationship is that's so it's a little different but in this case we know they're related so I'm gonna go ahead and say no no Goodbye. rating the episode I'll give it like a three I was gonna give it a three as well I enjoyed it it was mostly exposition it was necessary exposition and I feel like they did a good job cramming it in there were a couple things that I was just like uh, this is like clunky or confusing. Nothing is like sticking out to me per se. It was just like, oh, they have to move through these things really fast. So, right. But yeah, it was all right. I felt like it just was an exposition heavy episode. And I don't think they're all going to be. I think there's, I know, I know that some of the coming episodes, there's a lot of stuff with Jean Grey and some emotional stuff that's going to come through with balancing with the Phoenix and saving her friends. And I know there's a lot of space action that's going to happen. So I think it just has to balance that sounds when great. they're going to put in all this exposition, because I'm sure we'll get a little bit more from the can when he shows up, but I don't know. Like it had to go somewhere and I was fine with it happening here. It's just like, it's funny because we just came off of such a high of how great the last episode was. Yeah. But the, but like, the last that episode was so good. Didn't actually have that much exposition. It was mostly like story beats and like learning about Xavier. It was like a really character driven episode with like character moments. Actually, in if there's it. anything this we can say about really this episode that. is that it solidifies that Xavier actually is still a piece of shit because even during this Moira kept on being like, Oh no, he's normally a super villain. And we had to teach him not to be one. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, now we know we do. So three out of five. Yeah. X's. Um, all right, so reader mail. Reader mail. Okay, so we have an email in here, and this person asked that we don't include their last name. Um, so oh, all right. the first name is Chris, and so this is from Chris. I don't, I don't think we've ever said anybody's last names because I don't do that, but just in case. Yeah. Dear Ryan and Maddie, thanks for making this extremely fun podcast. 
As a gay kid in the 90s who obsessed with this show, I really enjoy hearing the two of you analyze it and also make fun of it when it's hilariously <laughs> weird and bad. Yay! I'm writing to comment on your discussion about how in the original comics it appeared like the phoenix occurred because of radiation. I've also been rereading these on Alt Marvel Unlimited, which I think that's what you're doing, Maddie. Mm-hmm. And something that surprised me was that this wasn't the setup for a reveal. There's no explicit suggestion that Phoenix is anything other than Jean Grey powered up by radiation during the original Phoenix Saga, or even the later Dark Phoenix Saga. The idea that there's an independent cosmic entity called the Phoenix is not something that gets introduced until around five years later, during stories tied to Rachel Summers traveling into the past and Jean's eventual resurrection. I think that because of the significance of the Phoenix entity in later X-Men continuity, readers tend to retroactively read the existence of the Phoenix entity into the original Phoenix stories because they're looking for it. But if you're just reading the issues and then publication order and looking at contemporaneous interviews, Claremont seemed like he was just writing Gene as slowly losing touch with humanity due to a godlike power enhancement granted by solar radiation. Thanks again for the show. Yeah, I mean, that's how it comes off to me, too. But I wasn't sure what to make of it. I don't know. But you were right, because at the time I was arguing with you because I retroactively was like, no, it was totally the Phoenix at the beginning. But you're like, I'm reading these again <laughs> and right they now. Don't and mention I think you're that. wrong. Yeah, but but they do so, have some vague sort of, oh, something mystical is happening, something happened, but they aren't right. really explaining what it is. They don't know. So thanks, Chris, for clearing that up. Yeah, I mean, they left a lot of doors open, clearly, for that to be explained later. I know. But who knows if they intended to explain it in that particular way, or if they were just like, maybe we won't ever explain this. I mean... I thought I remembered Chris Claremont saying that he had planned for it, but I don't remember. He so. might have, but he might have just been like, I might do this, I'll figure it out later. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I'm sure much. when you're writing a comic book, you have a whole bunch of different ideas for how it could potentially go, and so you just kind of leave the door open for yourself, and then maybe you introduce things then later, hope that maybe all you works don't. Out. Yeah. Um, we have another email here from Brandon, and this is great. This is a great little email. Hello, I'm continuing to love your podcast, and I also want to give you a huge thank you for bringing up Steven Universe on this show enough times to get me to check it out. <laughs> I'm barely on the first few episodes of the second season and have absolutely fallen in love with it. What amazing show that was completely off my radar. So thank you so much. Yay! So one of the last episodes I watched was the crossover-ish episode with Uncle Grandpa, a show I'm aware of but have never watched. In the realm of that episode, I'm curious what your version of a Steven Universe crossover with the X-Men the Animated Series would look like. Thank you for continuing to entertain us with your podcast and other content. I don't know what episode you're reading this on, but I'll still go ahead and state that Wolverine was the gayest character of this episode. See you next time. <laughs> I I mean, that may or may not be the case. Wolverine's pretty gay in this episode, but it's always a tough call. Um, I don't know. What would be a what would be another like nineties animated show that X Men the animated series could cross over with and it would make sense logically for them to be doing that? Basically, if they made a new X Men series now, they could make it happen. But I think it's tough. I'm, I'm just to gonna say She Ra. <laughs> she Ra's great, but I was gonna say it's not from the right time period, but it definitely feels like a crossover that should have happened and like may as well have happened. Yeah, I was gonna say She Ra should have happened like that. Was it, I mean, I guess it would have been closer in time. At the time, they had Spider-Man crossover with X-Men. That was the thing that did happen. We'll get to it on this show. Right. I mean, that's almost like a logical, canonical crossover as opposed to just like them bumping up another show and being like, here's another show. What if we did a oh, crossover? Oh, wait, wait, we know what this should crossover with. Gargoyles. Oh, shit. That would be really weird. I mean, because I don't feel like it would quite fit Batman, which is also sort of in the same tone. But Gargoyles has all the same thematic presences that x-men has it does i feel like beast would fit into the gargoyles universe very well possibly oh my God. too well 
he and Goliath would just talk would about reading all day. They would best friends and nothing would get done. They would just read books and talk and it would be really great. And it would be just a sort of a soulmate situation of just such an intense best friendship that like that would be the entire episode it would just be that. I mean, like on, on the Warcraft Valley podcast that I have with Katie, the Gargoyles and the X-Men do meet. And, like, they do hang out. Yeah. But like that's how I got Katie even into the X-Men initially because she was like, so, OK, so Katie, who I do this other podcast with and is on a vlog and does all of our atomic blue she's basically one of the main atomic blue people but she 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 me and matt have known each other since we were like Children, in middle school little babies and like I, we could not get her to get into the x-men especially when the film was coming out and eventually i talked her into it because i was like we're gonna all go it's gonna be a double date because i was dating katie at the time because i was not out of the closet and maddie was with somebody at that time and like she was still refusing. I was like, it's like gargoyles. And I'm like, it's got all these things about being not being accepted by his society and mm-hmm. having to hide themselves and plain sight. And like, she's like, all right, I'll give it a chance. And like, I wasn't wrong because that's wound up making her obsessed with the series. And I think it is a good example of that time of some some different shows that were happening that I think it would cross over well with. Yeah, I agree. And this episode in particular feels very Gargoyles-esque because you have characters who just, like, happen to own a castle yeah. for some reason. And, like, I know, I write, and, like, fucking Xanatos is probably standing there. And, like, all also, I do I do like your She-Ra concept. I think that would I be I think great. the She-Ra thing would fit better with, like, the Savage Land episodes last season, but this season, I feel like it's very, like, medieval castles and shit. Well, no, but She-Ra and He-Man was also up in space, too. I do yeah, think, right. you know what also... X-Men could have crossed over with back in the 90s is Ninja Turtles, which again, oh, wow. thematically the same thing where it's like literally mutants. <gasps> hot, every All the mutants are hiding. It doesn't work though because Ninja Turtles has crossed over with DC before canonically. Like there's that Batman comic with the well, turtles that's recent. in it. Have you seen that I know. comic? It's wild. Anyway. Oh, I read them. I have them on my Amazon wish list because I enjoy so them So the turtles have already much. crossed over and they've crossed over with Batman and not the X-Men. Yeah. Um, I think in present time, if there was a new X-Men show, it would work with Steven Universe. I think that they can make it happen. I would love to see like a version of X-Men that was done in the Steven Universe style, actually. Like like just like a kid, a more kid-friendly, adorable. I mean, it's literally happening. That's what like Teen Titans Go is, and also what Thundercats Roar is gonna be. Mm -hmm. And I like that shit. I like that style. I like it too. I'm not saying I I like dark styles too. Like I love Young Justice's animation. I don't like I don't like all these people who are online being like, eh, this doesn't look like the original show. I'm like, can we just accept different variations and takes on things? Like there's a new Ninja Turtle show that also has weird animation, but can we like I like different animation. I'm with I mean, you. Doesn't it get stale eventually if we just do the same fucking thing all the time when there's so many different no, types of art out there? I think we should just continue to re-release episodes of X-Men the Animated Series and all of their media should end and just this show yeah. over and uh, yeah, over forever. Absolutely. The end. All right, one more <laughs> one more thing. Okay. And this is from SoundCloud. Uh, we released the Phoenix Saga Part 2, and somebody replied to the part where we were talking about Lilandra, Space Hottie landing in your lap. Of course, you would go for that. And then somebody <laughs> said, this is Professor X's personal weird science moment, which is 100% true if you've seen that movie. Yeah. It's like pretty much what that is. Professor X basically just invented Lilandra in his head. I don't blame Moira for assuming that and just being like, ah, oh, no, that didn't happen, Professor. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. We never, nothing happened. Good times. Um, By the way, we're recording these episodes pretty far in advance yet again. So if we didn't read your reader mail for the next several episodes, uh, just be patient and we'll eventually get to it. This is actually a good time to bring up Patreon because I just said on Patreon, well, we said on Patreon, we send out we do a newsletter every week at the one dollar level tier and what's a big thing that's happening right now is that i'm trying to put atomic blue on a schedule now <laughs> mutant ages releases bi-weekly 
that will always be on time. But we have all these other shows we're trying to create and other shows that we've had going that just haven't been on a schedule because our production schedule has been a mess. And so since that's now on a schedule, we're going to be getting more Mutant Ages content. But that also means that Maddie and I are now recording them far in advance, which surprised even Maddie when I was like, Honestly, let's get all these I dates. I don't know if we're going to make, I, I would love to make this promise. I'm really hopeful yeah. about us continuing to record these really far in advance as opposed to like barely getting our shit together to get it out in time because that's tricky, but we're well, going to we, we have to, we we're have really to try. get past this. Listen, we've come a long way since Insomniacs in the Morning, oh which was our gosh. first podcast and we barely made it on time for our own morning show that was live. Yeah. We showed up like 10 minutes late every single time. I know. Oh my God. But listen, this time we're planning everything everything ahead and we're going to try to have everything prepped so that we can actually do all the things we want to do right and we're we're coming up with a bunch of new ideas we're going to be recording the first episode of the mutant ages plays which is going to be us doing let's plays of all the x-men games Mm -hmm. and for all i know that'll already be out by the time this episode is out i don't know but just in case you should subscribe to our youtube channel atomic blue productions because that's where we'll be doing that and we're making a bunch of other things that you can support us on patreon for because we're making a lot of content and a bunch of new shows i think a new gargoyles recap show is going to happen and also maddie and i spent 20 minutes before this episode discussing how we're going to shoot this time travel series that we want to make yeah supporting us on patreon (laughs) will help us if you want to give us money to make sure that all these things are as good as they possibly could be we would greatly appreciate it yes um also we have social media we have a twitter at the mutant ages i'm on twitter as well at Mitty myers and i'm at ryan pagella and we have facebook and instagram and tumblr and you can find updates about atomic blue productions on all those things whether it's this show or any number of other things other shows that we make Oh, you can review us on iTunes or tell your friends about us, and that's how they'll find yes. out that this. And if you don't want to give us a review, is. leave a rating because that that helps a lot yeah. and increases our visibility. So help us become the opposite of invisible yeah. and become visible. We're a diamond in the rough, but imagine if everybody had also heard of this. Imagine if show. we were all Emma Frost. <laughs> Imagine if we were made out of sparkling, beautiful diamonds and everyone could see us from many miles away. Wouldn't that be great? You should review us on iTunes so that that can happen. (laughs) Okay. Is that it? Do we do it? Plugs? I think so. All right. Plugs plugged. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Because I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Oh my gosh. Should we just like put that at the end here and be like, be like, I'm the juggernaut, uh, bitch. Here's that stupid meme, but it's like, by the way, guys, here's that stupid meme that this whole episode. I feel like the kids today, they don't even know about that meme anymore. Probably them kids today. Yeah, that's when a meme was invented. Yeah, like it's from 2005. I I had to look it up. I was like, wow, that's some old shit. I think that was like one of the original memes of the universe. No, it wasn't. It totally was. There were memes in like the very beginning of the internet. There was like the ninja website and like all that other stuff. Yeah, but like shit. YouTube memes because oh, like yeah, YouTube. it was definitely an early YouTube meme. That's for sure. Yeah. Anyway. Bye. Bye for real. <laughs>